Hey, Deal Makers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing Podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. This is the show for you. All right, let me ask you a question. Does crypto, Bitcoin, blockchain, and NFT confuse you? Well, they kind of confuse me too, but we're going to solve that on this show because we're going to find out what are these things? Is it worth investing into? How are they valued? How does the technology affect us in our day-to-day? So we're going to get into this into the show here with uh, with Matthew Deemer in just a bit. He's a crypto uh, expert. He's also running for Congress, and blockchain technology innovation is one of his, his main messages. So it's going to be a really interesting episode. So stick around till the till the end. I'll remind you guys, Dealmaker Live is coming up. It's our annual conference, June second through fourth in Dallas. Get tickets at DealmakerLiveEvent.com. It's really going to be the event for you to learn and connect with others where you can find your next partner, deals, and capital as, as well. We got Damon John is our is our headliner. He's going to be super interesting. Uh, we got a, a bunch of other awesome speakers lined up. So go ahead to dealmakerliveevent.com. The tickets are the most affordable right now, and they're going to keep going up, and they're going to be the most expensive the day of. All right? So there's a lot of last-minute stragglers out there. Grab it now. Lock it in. I want to do a, a special shout out here because we're looking for anyone who has done at least their first deal and they've been somehow influenced by the stuff that we do, this podcast, the book, any one of our programs, anything that is uh, that has influenced you in some way and you've, you kind of credit that with you doing your first deal. If that describes you, we want to hear about you because we might want to have you on the podcast or at a minimum send you one of these freedom coins for doing your first deal or maybe even you quit your job. If that's you, any of those things, uh, email us at podcast at themichaelblank.com. That's podcast at themichaelblank.com. And we will be in touch shortly. I want to give a shout out also to OC Real Estate. Left a, a review on iTunes. This podcast is great. It breaks down the components of multifamily into a digestible way. Combined with the book, it may be the best combo of knowledge you can get today. I appreciate that, OC Real Estate. Thanks for that review. And I want to give a shout out to uh, Patrick Grimes. Patrick Grimes was one of those people that was influenced by one of our programs. He took one of our uh, one of our courses and our programs and used the SDA, did his first deal. And today he's got almost 2,000 units across five states. And he's achieved financial freedom literally towards the very end end of 2021. In fact, we interviewed him on session 308. You can listen to the full interview of that. So a well, shout out for Patrick. Really, really well done. With that, let's get our co-host here on the show. Garrett, what's going on? What's going on, Michael? So today we're talking about crypto blockchain and really technology innovation. And, and that's really kind of the platform that, that Matthew is running on in general. One thing you feel strongly about and crypto is, of course, being one of them. Now, one of the things is, you know, looking at innovation in the, in the multifamily space in general, it seems to be one of the least innovative areas. And there seems to be a lot of opportunity to actually provide some innovation to our market. But what, what are some of the tech advances that you've been seeing in our world? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest tech advances that I've I've seen in general in in our industry is really on the software front, just the property management software that exists from when I got started in the business where it was to where it is now. There's just so much, so many more powerful things you can do. Uh, for example, 
there is a, it's called a revenue management software that you can put in a place that basically takes all of the other properties in the market that are your sales, your rent comps, and it will compare your rents to theirs. And I'll tell you where you should hike your rents in real time so that you can maximize uh, the rents in, in your market. And that's just such a cool tool that you see a lot of people using these days that didn't exist years ago. And it allows you to just make profitable business decisions are basically on autopilot in real time. Uh, so that's that's just one of the advances that exists, but there, there's numerous inside of these softwares that you can take advantage of that help set your processes on autopilot. And I think that's one of the major advances that we've seen, at least in our industry. What about other stuff like package lockers? Like that's that's interesting. Oh yeah, that's that's an awesome one. That's just an amenity item that is is really run by technology. You've got a problem. Any site in the past, people are coming into your office all the time to drop off packages, pick up packages. They're getting lost at people's doors. And so you, we do it on all of our sites, actually. We just throw up a, a set of package lockers, costs like 30 to 40K or whatever you're paying for it. And it solves all that. The, the people, the vendors that are coming to deliver the packages, they go to the lockers, deliver them. People that pick them up, they get a text message. They go down, they type in a code and they get their package and it, they can do it 24 seven. So it just solves a ton of problems. It's one of those things that uh, I think just keeps people longer in, on your site. It's like when you do curb appeal stuff, you don't necessarily notice one-to-one how it's affecting your site, but it definitely makes a big impact. We've seen that through all of our sites. And so we love that technology and that amenity. Yeah, I mean, it's just conveniences, right? Just a convenience that you can get your package any time of day and you don't have to go in the office, which is, of course, closed after hours. You know, the other thing, so we're looking for property managers that embrace technology and a lot of property managers don't. They resist it. They've been doing the same thing for the last 50 years. So, for example... Property managers who use uh, software, not just reporting for us, but you know, apps that allow tenants to put in a request, for example, track the request, that kind of stuff, right? And and how do we you best use technology in that way? So I love tech, man. It's my it's my favorite th- it's everything to do. And and so when we when we talk to our guest here, Matthew Deemer, crypto or Bitcoin have been you know a hot topic last year, a little bit of a wild ride, but few actually really understand it. And, you know, today we kind of clear the air a little bit. So people understand it, not just, you know, what's the investment vehicle, you know, goes up and goes down, but really more importantly, what's the technology and how is it going to change the world for the better? So Matthew, he's a, he's a business entrepreneur. He's also been with large companies. Uh, he's been in the food and beverage industry. He has his own crypto podcast called Decrypt Daily. And he also is the founder and former co-host of the Crypto 101 podcast. And he is, in fact, running for Congress in Ohio. So let's get right into this super exciting uh, episode with Matthew. Matthew, welcome to the show today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. All right. Tell us a little about yourself. I mean, the only things I know about you is you're running for Congress and you love cryptocurrency. Okay. That's what I know. Tell us a little bit more. All right. So my name is Matthew Deemer. I'm running for Congress in Northeast Ohio. The current district is Ohio's 13th district. Born and raised in Northeast Ohio in a place called Slavic Village in a place in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Moved around quite a bit uh, to different places around Ohio and uh, went to school in, um, in in Hawaii. Went to the University of Hawaii where I graduated with a degree in political science. Went over to, got a full scholarship to study Chinese. So I'm fluent in Chinese, reading, writing, speaking. Studied at Beijing University. Lived in China for about 15 years uh, where I was at an executive level hospitality over there. Got a full scholarship for my MBA, which I did in Taiwan. Then I went to... Uh, 
then during while I was at doing my MBA in Taiwan, I started a small media company called Crypto 101, which I got into crypto, started educating people into crypto in the crypto space. I sold that business uh, to a company in San Diego, uh, where that took me back to the state the state side. Um, and now I'm back in Northeast Ohio uh, do, doing a daily crypto news show for Decrypt Media. It's called the Decrypt Daily. And I am running for Congress over here. That is really awesome. So a lot of things uh, to get into here. First and foremost, I mean, there's a lot of people that are, you know, love crypto. And, and, it, and it could be attributed to shiny objectitis. You know, it's sexy, it's new, it's exciting, right? Now, but anyone who spends any more time with it, like you have for several years, and actually builds businesses around it. It's a little deeper than that. What do you like about crypto? Well, I'm, I always like, well, first of all, I'm a trackie. And so anything with emerging trek or sci-fi or things that are you're trying to break uh, break down barriers or, or new things, you know, I'm always trying to look into. But when it comes to cryptocurrency, there's a couple of things that are really fundamental to me. One, I really like the aspect of controlling your own wealth. Uh, I, I like the investment aspect of it. I also like the tech aspect of it, the different things they're trying to do to empower people, bank the unbanked, uh, give people a financial access to the same tools that say any like um, people with high net worth would have uh, and, and try to get that to everybody, democratize that. And so there's just different things that are coming out of the crypto space uh, that are just great technologies to solve real world problems. A couple other things I would like to mention is identity on the blockchain, which is going to help you control your data, control your identity in the digital world, and also uh, voting. Voting is a big thing. And we, I think blockchain technology is a huge way to create transparency, create an auditable um, source where you can anybody can audit uh, elections and give everybody secure voting. So we can never have any question of what happened. And I'm not denying that there was any problems with our current election, but if there is any question, I think that there are technologies out there so we can make it easier, more accessible and better for everybody. Now, what I didn't hear you say is is how you, how you can become a millionaire overnight with crypto, which is interesting. Which means again, there's there's a, you're going a little deeper on crypto men than the average you know CNN headline news whatever uh, junkie. But I do want to talk about the financial aspect of it. You mentioned a couple non financial aspects per se, the technology, which which I think Gary and I want to understand that as well. But in quite the question is, to what extent is crypto a an investment, an investment vehicle, and if so, how do you best use it? Where does it fit in a portfolio? portfolio, what can it do for us? Well, I think there's two current ways that we should be looking at crypto and investments. And obviously, there's the talk about number go up, get rich millionaires overnight, and, and so on and so forth, which there's plenty of those. But I think that there's two things right now that we have to start looking at. And how is the first one is to how to protect your, your worth, your net worth. We have inflation, and we saw 7.5% uh, in, here in the United States, 55 in the UK. So if you didn't get a 5.5% raise, at least you were making less money. 7.5% uh, in the United States, less than you were last year. So what are some uh, vehicles that you could do to protect your wealth or have a store of value? You know, how you guys deal with real estate. So real estate obviously is booming. Even used cars might have been good in the past year. But Bitcoin cryptocurrency is also a way to do that. And the other one thing is, is you know, we are seeing a interesting time right now, especially when you call, uh, see the different laws that are coming or emergency acts that are coming out of Canada. If you have wealth, if you have it stored somewhere, how do, how do you make sure that there's not a run on the bank or you control it or to make sure that it doesn't get shut down or there aren't ways to, I don't know, maybe just keep you out of your money. And Bitcoin solves those two things. So as much as you want to, you know, we're talking about, you know, number go up and creating wealth, but there's also the storing of wealth, getting ahead of inflation and making sure that you are the only sole uh, person that has in control of your money. All right, let me challenge that a little bit, uh, Matthew, because you know we're obviously in inflation environment, seven and a half to ten percent, based on you know, depending on what index. Yet, yet Bitcoin is down. I don't the exact number in front of me, but like thirty percent since its high last year. So, if it's a really a hedge against inflation, 
it should have been up at least seven and a half percent and it's down 30. So the gap is more like 37%. So I, I don't understand how it's a hedge against inflation. Well, if you look at this time last year, it's pretty much the same price as last year. But if we're looking at a larger time span, if we looked at, say, over the past, let's call it the last all-time high, which was uh, nearly $20,000. If we're sitting at $40,000 today, that is up 100% over the past uh, three years or so, three and a half years. So we're talking about 33% year over year. Um, if you're looking at larger timeframes, then we are looking at a, definitely making up that 75 to 10% that you said. So uh, the other thing you said is, you know, you're, you're kind of outside the government's control, but see what's going on in Canada right now, right? Where they're freezing crypto assets from these truckers. Like what is going on with that? And of course, China has been doing this for a long time. So I mean, is it a little naive to think that crypto is now floating without regulation, at least forever? You know, I, I think that you have a, bring up a really good point there. And, you know, you saw this different CEOs from either Kraken, uh, his name is J uh, Jesse Powell, and Coinbase's CEO, Brian Armstrong, that said, look, we, we operate within the regulations of these governments. If it's Canada, the United States or whatever, if they tell us to freeze your assets on these exchanges, your Bitcoin, your Ethereum, your Litecoin or what have you, uh, we're going to have to do that. We're going to have to abide. This is the agreement that we made with the government. This is why in their tweets, they said, take it off our exchanges and make sure you're self-custodian, put it in your wallet. So therefore, if you want to transact your, your Bitcoin, you can go peer to peer, me to you. The government cannot control that. One thing, Matt, that uh, you know, always comes up is like, okay, well, you've got all these coins, you've got different uses. Obviously, you see that there's something there, but this can, it's kind of almost like when they invented electricity. Like There were all these different products on the market that, and 90% and of them went away. So my question to you is, what do you see sticking around long-term in crypto? And what do you, what types of uh, iterations of crypto do you see that probably won't be around in the next 20, 30 years? You know, that's a, that's a really good question. I'm, if this was four years ago, I would probably say all kinds of different things. Right now I say Bitcoin. Uh, it's a, a very good, from what I say, you know, if we're not talking about short-term timeframes, longer timeframes, a store of value and also a protection of wealth uh, when you talk about peer to peer, like we just said. But when it comes to the other things, I mean, I think that it's very arrogant to say that we've got it figured out. Even in the NFT space, you know, people are talking, you know, they're trying to you know, make different things, test out technologies. If we we're talking about like back in, I guess the, um, you know, the old web, web days back in the early nineties, I mean, we had chat rooms, you know, in AOL, they would send you discs and you had 10,000 free hours. And if we thought that that was the pinnacle of the internet is getting 10,000 free hours discs sent to you in the mail, then we would have been so very, very wrong. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do just like anything. We're going to mature in this space. They're testing out technologies. They're testing out what's going to be good at the market. People who are testing out how they're going to use it. Different companies are coming, coming in to figure out how they want to use it for their products, for their customers and so on and so forth. So I don't know what's going to stick around. I think that if you were, if this is an investment idea, and obviously I don't give investment advice, but just looking at the old markets, if you put money in AOL, you would have won if you got at a certain point and you would have lost big if you didn't. If you got into Netscape, you would have won at a certain point and you would have lost big if you didn't. So right now you can win, I think, short-term with about anything. But if you're talking about long-term, who knows? This is a good point. I mean, and this is what puzzles me about crypto as an investment is I don't, I can't explain how it's valued, the fundamental value that drives a price up or price down. I can do it in an apartment building. I can do it on real estate. I can do it in a stock to some degree, uh, even though the market swings things wildly sometimes in and out of you know where it should be. But it, it, to me, it's, it's, in my mind, it's just pure speculation. And I, I'm being told that, well, you can only, you, there's a finite amount of Bitcoin, but I can create a coin as many coin, different kinds of coins all day long. So I can take stuff out of Bitcoin and then put it in some other coin like Ethereum or anything else that you invent later on. So 
help me understand how Bitcoin is valued. Is it actually pure speculation or is there a little bit more of a, a supply and demand? Is there more of a, an economic factor involved there? I think you just said it, it's supply and demand. And so if you can't control the supply and you can't put more supply into the system and the demand stays uh, either constant or goes up, then you are going to have a, a higher price. And that's with anything. If you're not making more houses, if Pulte doesn't start uh, building more uh, development complexes around them, there's going to be uh, the price of houses are going to go for a lot more than they are. So it's the same principle with Bitcoin or any of these uh, other cryptocurrencies with a or a finite supply. And, but Bitcoin is one that we are looking at right now. And you can transfer that to NFTs as well. NFTs are creating a digital signature of a certain digital item on the blockchain. So say if there's one of this, there's only going to be one of this. And so you have a finite supply. And then of course, there's people are going to pay for it what they are going to pay for it. And that's just it. But other things, yeah, of course, there's speculation, just like with everything. How much is Tesla really worth? Who knows? Do they really make as much cars or as much profit as Toyota or Ford? I don't know about that as well. However, people are willing to buy, buy into Tesla and make it a $1 trillion company because of the potential in the future, which is a little bit of speculation. And I think people are looking at the, the cryptocurrency space or crypto or digital or Web3 or metaverse, they're kind of the same way. They're kind of betting on the future. Right. Okay. So for me, as a, as the average human, we can buy cryptocurrency going on exchange. It's relatively easy to do. Now, what about NFTs? How, why should I care about NFTs? Yeah, the, the name is floating around. And like you said, I can, I can digitally encode this thing, my teddy bear in the corner, you know, and so there's only one of those, but so what? In other words, why should the average person care about NFTs? What is the potential there with that kind of technology? Well, let's look at two uh, different kind of things that we're talking about when it comes to NFTs. And first, what is NFTs or what are NFTs? NFTs are a digital representation of either a physical item or a digital item. There is no more to be made. And that creates the limit, the supply, the finite of that item. So let's turn it into, say, good example. The other day, somebody, well, last year, the other day, uh, somebody bought a Banksy, bought it for $100,000, took high resolution digital pictures of it. And on air, on YouTube, streamed, live streamed, them burning it. But then they turned it into an NFT. So if there's only one of those Banksy's now, the physical is gone, and the only other Banksy lives in that digital, is it worth something? I guess that's up to you, right? Now you have a Banksy in the digital, the only one, physical is gone, it's burned live on YouTube, you have that Banksy. Is it worth something? Now let's turn it into an NFT with that one item being, and just talk, talk about like maybe day-to-day -day things in the things that we do every day. What about your driver's license? You know, you have your physical card there, but let's say if you want your, to prove your ID in the digital, is there a way to digitize your driver's license and use it across, you know, uh, platforms in everyday use cases? What about your diploma? Can people just say, any, can anybody just make a little sheet of paper, show hanging on their wall and say, I've been to Harvard? Or is there a way to do it in the digital that says, hey, no, the, Harvard minted this diploma NFT and it is assigned to Matthew. There's only one of them because there's only one Matthew that went to Harvard that graduated at a certain time with a certain GPA. And now we have that. So NFT is a, like I said, a technology. And let's go back to the, the analogy we said on the 1990s internet. They're trying out the technology, but there is definitely real use cases to figure out how to place it within our current, I don't know, just day-to-day -day lives. And that's what I think the NFTs are doing right now. If you want to work with a full-time syndicator to help you get up to speed faster, get your first deal done this year and scale your portfolio so you can quit your job, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. It's the only program out there that actually guarantees results. That's right. We actually guarantee that you do your first deal 
in the first year. Otherwise, we'll keep working with you and uh, set up a, a strategy session call and explore whether it's right for you. It's the michaelblank.com forward slash mentor. So this is another really crazy use case that I learned about, but kids play these video games or adults even play, play video games and they have the opportunity to buy things inside the game that make their player more ahead of the other ones or, or whatever that situation is. Well, who owns that when they pay the money to the game? Who owns it? Well, the company owns it, right? So they own all everything. Now, let's say that game goes obsolete online or crashes or whatever, all that money that you just spent and sometimes tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars on the products inside that game that just disappears and you just lost that money and the game is obsolete. Well, with NFTs, you can actually purchase the items and own them yourselves. And then other games are taking them and they're, they're saying, hey, you can use that item in our game. And you actually own the item digitally and you can use it between different games and it's actually worth something and you can auction it off later. So that's like another use that you just think about the different parallels that can exist in that kind of a use case. It's, it's monstrous because it allows you to take ownership of items that you know, you, you in the past didn't even have the ability to, which is crazy. Matthew, what are some of the other use cases that you're seeing? That's a, that's a you know, if you're in, a, in the gaming world, I think that that would be useful. But what are some other uses that you're seeing? You said they're be kind of becoming more mainstream in culture. What what else are you seeing out there? Well, let's just go to uh, the news the other day. It, so many, just this year alone, so many different companies are actually making trademarks for Web3, Metaverse, and probably a lot of these different things are going to be in NFT forms. For example, Victoria's Secret, uh, they applied for a trademark. Uh, Ralph Lauren, DKNY, Amber Carmby and Fix, Nike. Nike is not, not only has a trademark out there to for their digital shoes, they're suing people who made digital Nikes before because people are selling these digital Nike NFTs, um, you know, owning these digital Air Jordans. And Nike's like, oh, oh wait, a second. I guess, first of all, there's a value to this. And second of all, it's my trademark. And two, may, or and the third, maybe we can go to these metaverse, these digital lands. And like uh, Garrett just said, you know, people are playing games. Maybe they just want a pair of, a pair of Air Jordans in uh, the digital. We'll pay 500 bucks for it and make sure that, you know, I own those Air Jordans. And, and, you know, we can go back to like other things like NBA, NBA top shots and NFL trading cards as well. You know, when we were kids, we were buying Promark, buying tops, and we were having big boxes of those. And, you know, mom probably said, why are you asking for five more bucks to buy these stupid cards that aren't going to be worth anything? Well, they were worth something, ma. And now they're doing it in the digital and they might be worth something too. Matthew, what about digital real estate? So Ooh, good NFT, one. NFTs real estate essentially is what that is. Talk to us about what you're seeing with that and what you think is really going to stick around in that space. Cause that's a really cool one. You know, that's a, that is a really interesting one. I think somebody just bought, paid a couple million for a uh, land next to Snoop's digital house in the, in uh, some kind of decentral, I think it's decentral land. I honestly don't, don't quote me on that, but people are, are paying for this land in the metaverse. And so they can build their shops. Uh, for example, Chase Bank, uh, just built their Onyx Lounge the other day, where you can go chill with a digital tiger in their Chase Lounge in the metaverse. You know, so you're going to see different shops like this pop up, and you're going to need places to do it. And where are you going to do it? Where people already have real estate. You want to move into a city where there's different things and things are going around and shuffling around. And so when you see Snoop build a house, when you see Chase build a house or build a lounge, and these other companies build lounges where, or in, in businesses with there, you're going to want to get that real estate there too. So it is becoming a thing. The thing that we have to keep an eye on, and I think if anybody wants to buy real estate, obviously this is an investment advice, making sure that 
that land is finite. How big and fast can this expand? And how much uh, fi finite land do you buy with this value or NFT or what, what have you? So we're, so we're talking about kind of digital land, which is interesting, right? Because in a digital world, I mean, I, I see even my kids, they're like, I want to buy that thing. I want to do this because I can do something tangibly in this digital world. So I, I can see that. But what about what, what impact do you see NFTs or blockchain having on actual tangible real estate, trading real estate or anything like that? Uh, what are you seeing the potential there? Well, I think that what we're going to see now, there's the digital and there's the physical digital. And I think there's the, like we call it, let's call it metaphysical just to get all out there, right? I talked about the opportunity for the crypto space and these kind of products that are coming out to give opportunity to different peoples. And one thing that I'm really passionate about is the place that I grew up in, Slavic Village, which I mentioned earlier, the average real estate, average home price there is $39,000. That prices them out of a lot of different things. They can't go to a bank and say, hey, I want home equity on the $15,000 in equity that I've been paying off my house and their income is out of modest means. Now with an NFT, maybe you can tokenize or put your, your house deed in an NFT. You can use your NFT or that NFT because it's only one, one house, what have you, as collateral in a DeFi space. Now in that DeFi space, decentralized finance, you can get people to use that home deed as collateral to do different things. Maybe you want education loans, home improvement loans, you know, maybe whatever in advance on, on whatever you need. But now you're trying to, we're moving this physical into the digital as well. And so I think that there's, good, there's more of a bridge. There's all, obviously people living in the digital, which is going to be its own market. There's obviously people that are there, but there's also going to be this bridge between the physical and the digital that I think that's going to be a, also a very big wealth uh, allocator and also a wealth creator. So basically, Michael, and I've seen, I've actually seen companies that have done this, but they'll take like, you know, a, a situation where you, they'll make a token essentially for your LP investment, let's say, and that token, uh, you know, is technically you can you could use that and, and trade it with someone if you want to, you know, trade your your share or something like that. Uh, now, I don't think it's been adopted quite yet, and it had because there's not really a huge marketplace for that kind of uh, secondary trades on you know in regards to LP units and shares like that. But I have seen companies that have done stuff like that in the space, and that that is you know, a, a viable use for this technology in the future. And I think it really goes back to one word, which is adoption. And as the technology evolves, we're going to see, we're seeing different iterations of it, different things. It's getting cooler and cooler along the way. We're like, whoa, this NFT thing, you know, back in 2017, when I was really getting involved in it, there it was like this whole fad of ICOs, initial coin offerings, right? And then that, that kind of, ended up being a lot of scams and, and stuff like that. So now it's evolved and the new hot thing is like NFTs. But what we're really trying to get to is adoption in society. And my question for you, Matthew, is how long do you think it's going to take before this is like fully adopted in society? In your mind, are we looking at a decade? Or are we look, is it less than that? What are your thoughts around that? Well, I think it's a that's a really that's a really good question. Let me just go back to other kind of adoptions I've I've seen. I have seen tokenized crowdsourced real estate. So I've seen to, uh, real estate be bought up 
I think I've, I know a company in Portugal that puts their real estate and their, like, for example, rental properties on a token. You can invest into the rental properties, which gives them cash flow to make more rental properties, yet you get paid out on the profits that are made off the rents that are already there. So what they're doing is globally crowdsourcing and basically trying to break down the barriers of, say, financial institutions within, say, country by country, if it's Portugal or Spain or the U.S. to Canada, and making a more global system of being, being able to invest in different spaces. Now, obviously, there's going to be regulation to come out and look at this once it becomes more popular. And this goes to your question, when do we see that uh, this kind of adoption is going to happen? And I think that it's going to take a long time, a long time, because we're going to have to go through a couple evolutions. The first one is going to be regula regulatory evolutions. What does regulations mean? How, re how is it going to be regulated? What's going to be the right now we're actually introducing bills to make sure that cryptocurrency exchanges abide by the travel rule. And the travel rule means that if I have cryptocurrencies and I did KYC on say my exchange, know your customer, uh, on my exchange, say it's Coinbase, and I send my cryptocurrency to another exchange, it's called Binance, that KYC gets traveled and they know who whose cryptocurrency is and everybody has the same records of who is what. And so we need to have, a, I'm not saying that we need to, but one thing they're looking at is uh, that kind of standard regulation. So we need to go through re standard regulations. We're going to have to make it global because this is going to be a global product. And there's going to be, in my opinion, there's going to be the Bitcoin to uh, CBDC war. And what does that mean? Or stablecoin Bitcoin CBDC war. And the CBDC means central bank digital currency. And a lot of these countries um, right now are looking at central bank digital currencies because they saw the benefits of cryptocurrencies. So these uh, developers and people that made Bitcoin or Litecoin or what have you, uh, they governments looked at this in stablecoins, obviously. They looked at the not only the speed of transactions, the ability to do micropayments, the, the accessibility, plus the auditability and the transparency, and the ability to, to code in smart contracts and ways to use those currencies. And the government's like, Maybe we should be going that way. And so the Fed is looking at a CBDC. China obviously is rolling out their CBDC. India has announced that they're going to do a, a central bank digital currency. And obviously the EU is looking at this as, as well. And so I think that we're going to come to a point where we're going to be looking at, are stable coins going to be there? Are they going to be legal? Is the government going to have their own cryptocurrency? And how is Bitcoin kind of fit into this and facilitate this? Or is it going to be a store of value, kind of like a digital gold, and they're just kind of going to leave it alone? That's going to be a huge conversation. And let me cut Matthew real quick. So stable coins, guys, for those that are listening, those are coins basically that, that they, they don't fluctuate in, in value too much. So like Tether, things like, like USDT, right? So th those things, th that's what a stable coin is versus Bitcoin would not be considered that because it goes up and down in price. Exactly, exactly. And so a stable coin is something that's back to like a certain currency. So you could have a USD stable coin. And so it's supposed to have, you know, $1 backing $1 of the stable coin. And one thing that they're trying to work out in regulations is, do they actually have that backing of $1 to $1 in stable coin? Things that we have to work out with any new technology. And so once you have, you know, private companies competing with the US dollar, the Fed and the US government is going to come in. And so just wanna, I just want to close this up and go full circle. All these different things that we're talking about when it comes to decentralized finance and NFTs and the different kind of ideas of what the future and the, uh, this whole new kind of financial infrastructure and metaverse and Web3 can, it also can be powered by a CBDC, but that is going to be controlled by the Fed and by the government. Then it goes back to what we were talking about before. Is there a finite amount and what gives it value? And then we go back to fiat currency and how we have inflation now. So it is all full circle, but I think this is a conversation that's going to be worked out over, I think, honestly, decades, but we're starting that conversation right now. And why 
people like myself that are into this needs to go to Congress to make sure that we're making legislation and rules and regulations that not only support the private businesses, but also support this ecosystem and make sure that we're making common sense regulations so that we're not going to be just totally pulled one way or the other. And that leads me to my, my next question is, why, Matthew, are you, are you running for Congress? What do you want to do? Well, I mean, there's <laughs> that's a big question. Now, we just talked about cryptocurrencies for this whole time. And obviously, I'm not just running on a only a cryptocurrency or a Bitcoin platform, but that is definitely one thing I want to do. And, and let's just talk about innovation. Uh, I want to make sure that the United States is a uh, place of and home for innovation. We got to stop, you know, pushing people away. Away, we have to start welcoming people to the United States and building companies. We got to be very more welcoming on entrepreneurs. We have to be welcoming on more new tech. We should be engaging with it in a different way. Also, I'm running on a on a platform that. I want to make sure that we're making things here. Our supply chain issues is unacceptable. We got to be making things here. We can start pulling that back to the United States. And I want to make sure that we're having, you know, these, look, man, I, I come from Ohio. It's a Midwest state. If you're in, if you're from a Midwest state, you know the, the drain that NAFTA put on our communities. You know all the all the factories that were here that aren't here anymore. You know the, the towns and communities that had bustling main streets and, and town centers that are now just, you know, has four rent signs on their, on their shops. And we really want to fill those up. And I think that a really good way to do that is to look at this emerging tech, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is only one aspect of it, but biotech as well, green energy, green manufacturing, what we're producing in China, what we are producing outside of the country, what we need to have here, bring it all inside. Let's lift up these jobs again, get people, get these communities back up and let's fill those mainstreams back up. So this is all like a full circle of how do we think about growing and encouraging entrepreneurship, creating opportunities and fueling this economy. And I think that we see all these things that are developing all over the place. And how do we make sure that it's, it's here? I love that. I love hearing that, you know, in general, just keeping things in the U.S. and, and, and building that economy up. I think uh, definitely innovation always has to be in the forefront, I think. Uh, I love everything you said. How can people reach you, Matthew? Very easy. Go to go to uh, deemerforcongress.com. That's D-I-E-M-E-R for congress.com. You can, you can find my uh, information on there. Um, you can also send me an email personally. It's Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W, at deemerforcongress.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from everybody. Great. Well, thanks so much for being on our show. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys. It was fun. Yeah, Michael, this, so I, like I said, I got involved in, in crypto back in 2017 when it was the first raging market and, and everyone was excited about it. And so I learned a ton. I, I lost a lot of money. Uh, actually, I didn't end up losing because I didn't end up selling, but there's a lot of speculation at the time. I learned a very valuable lesson at that point. And so it was it was really cool to have Matthew on to kind of go over uh, just some of the actual uses of it and, and how it's actually a technology more than anything that's going to change the world versus just a speculatory vehicle that you can try to jump in and invest in. And the reality is, is that it's, it's more if you're trying to invest in coins. And again, I'm not giving you investment advice. Uh, it's more of a casino than anything if you're trying to do the whole thing and ride the wave and become a millionaire, right? So what, what he talked about which I loved is that it's more about transparency, the technology. So it allows us to be transparent in transactions in general. Uh, so everyone can see, and, and I, I don't think we really touched on the way it actually works, but it's replace a bank that is the facilitator of, let's say a transaction that happens. So if you want to, if I want to get pay you, okay, there's a bank involved, right? Take the bank out and insert a bunch of people 
uh, that all check the transaction and that then I can send you money. That's basically what blockchain is, right? In very in very simple terms. And so that kind of transparency is super valuable. And, and that's that's what's going to lead us. And I like how we got into long-term, we don't know what it's going to look like. That's the truth is, is it's, it's always like, okay, it's like when web, the initial web, worldwide web, whatever just came out and we didn't know how it was going to be used. The internet was like this whole, is this really going to be a thing? And there was speculation around that and it ended up evolving over time. And that's kind of the phase that we're in right now with crypto uh, per what Matthew talked about is that we just don't know the long game. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like. And so some people are going to make a ton of money. Some people are going to lose a ton of money. We don't really know, but we're in that kind of innovation space where people are just testing things. That's really uh, the, kind of the narrative that we're seeing with crypto is it's it's early. Uh, there's going to be cool things that come up. The, the NFTs obviously are, are very interesting, but it still has a ways to go. So with that, I mean, obviously you want to make smart investment decisions. And while maybe crypto is, is something that's more of a speculatory item, we actually offer a very solid and, and known investment vehicles at Nighthawk, uh, passive investments into multifamily real estate. So if you're interested in hearing about more about what we do in the, on that side, and you want to... Uh, schedule a call with our, our director of investor relations, David, please do so uh, at nighthawkequity.com. Just go there, join, click on join the club, and we'll be happy to schedule a call with you to talk about some of the stuff that we do over at Nighthawk. So with that, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com slash vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.